Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning, and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about people and organizations that make an impact around Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan, and this morning we have a very special edition. It is DFW Restaurant Week. That's right, for the 24th year in a row, we're celebrating the month of August with DFW Restaurant Week, supporting North Texas Food Bank and Lena Pope. DFW Restaurant Week is North Texas' largest annual culinary event. The campaign is in full swing with many restaurants' participation for a full month of dining all the way through September the 5th. It's going to be an outstanding dining experience, and we want everybody to take part if they can still do so. And joining us right now is the CEO of Lena Pope, Dr. Ashley Elgin. How are you doing, Ashley? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Well, this is an exciting event for us, and we really like participating uh, and, and partnering with the Lena Pope and the North Texas Food Bank. Uh, I understand for Lena Pope, every dollar raised is invested in the mental health, behavior, intervention, and educational services that provide child well-being in Tarrant County. Is that right? Absolutely. All of the funds that are raised through Restaurant Week help those who are unable to pay for services such as counseling and child care to receive those services for free. And so this is one of our major fundraisers that helps us to continue those services and be good stewards uh, to our community. You know, a lot of people have heard about DFW Restaurant Week, but they don't really know. So let me explain a little bit more about why this is such an exciting event. And again, it's been going on all through the month of August, and it will continue all the way through September the 5th. Uh, they, They get to experience different dining scenes each day with nearly 100 top restaurants across the Metroplex offering a three-course prefixed dinner for either $39 or $49, two-course lunches for only $19. Every prefix meal for a deal supports local charities and restaurant businesses, especially important this year as we go through this pandemic. In fact, 20% of the cost of each meal is donated to the North Texas Food Bank in the greater Dallas area and Lena Pope. In Tarrant County. I'm so used to seeing Lena Pope home, and the name has been changed. Yes, I'm so fundamentally saying Lena Pope. Uh, Lena Pope in the Tarrant area. Over the years, the campaign has donated more than $10 million to these charities. Again, we can't thank you enough for partnering with us. And and how has the impact been for Lena Pope in particular over these years? It's been astounding. You know, we have increased the need for our services over the past several years due to the impact of COVID Mm -hmm. and loss of employment and loss of loved ones. And these dollars are funds that help us to intervene in those critical circumstances. Uh, So this year, it's more important than any other year, in my opinion, because the restaurants are also struggling. Yes. Uh, so th- this is a win-win, and it allows families to bond together with their friends and loved ones, enjoy a meal. You simply go to one of the participating restaurants, and you let them know that you'd like to participate in Restaurant Week, and they will provide you with a menu of the items that you have to choose from, and it's all very delicious. So I feel like the community benefits. Um, and those who are in need of service benefit, and we can continue to provide the care that's necessary. It's a tremendous win-win opportunity. Dr. Elgin, can you talk to people who are not familiar with Lena Pope and what this organization has been doing for the years? Because it's so impressive. You've had such a tremendous impact in Tarrant County. 
Well, Lena Pope has been with Tarrant County for 93 years now, and coincidentally, it started out of circumstances that are very similar to the circumstances that we have in our community right now. Uh, if you can imagine, the city was gripped with um, difficulties associated with the diphtheria epidemic. Ah, diphtheria, also, yeah. Yes, so it was gripping the city. Children were dying. Um, infant mortality was up. School districts were running out of money due to the Great Depression. Uh, families did not have the things that they needed. Child labor laws were just being introduced but being ignored due to great need. And so um, it's so uncanny to me that we are in a very similar circumstance with COVID and civil unrest and economic do- downturn and concerns related to equality in our community. And Lena Pope has been here through all of that. And we've come full circle and we continue to service the backbone of the city, uh, particularly when there are times like today we are here to provide the care and support through several different avenues. Um, we focus on emotional well-being, behavioral well-being, and intellectual well-being mm-hmm. so that we can intervene for the whole child and incorporate the family in the development of that child as an entire person and um, become well-rounded and get through difficult times such as the ones that we're facing now. We're talking with Dr. Ashley Elgin. She's the CEO of Lena Pope in Tarrant County. And, and Dr. Elgin, can you talk about, again, back when Lena Pope first began, could you talk about the idea of a, bit, of a place for these kids to, to go to and, and how parents were able to get their kids there and, and some of the things that you guys had to go through uh, 93 years ago to get established? Sure. Um Miss Lena Pope was an actual woman uh, 93 years ago who had a son mm-hmm. um, named Conrad. And at seven years old, they were deeply religious, and he went to um, Bible class and learned about all the things that you know he could do in the world and that would be available to them. And he had a dream that there was this beautiful mansion being built in the sky and that it was filled with children and it was such a beautiful place. Um, Unfortunately, as time went on, Conrad became ill with diphtheria himself. Um, And on the very Christmas that his family gave him a toolkit to begin building, anecdotally, his mansion in the sky, he passed away, and as as he was taking his last breath, his mother, Lena Pope, sat by his bedside, tearful, saying, I just don't know what we're going to do with you. How will our family go on? And he said, Mama, build the house on, on the hill and fill it with children. And as the depression continued to evolve and more and more children were stricken with diphtheria and uh, lacking nutrition and families were not able to care for their children at all, they were having to give them up due to poverty, Uh, she began to enlist individuals to open their homes to children to care for those who either didn't have a parent. Uh, you remember World War One was right around that time, and mm-hmm. so families had been disintegrated, and oftentimes the breadwinner was no longer part of that family, so compromised with the Depression, and um, there was such a huge, huge need. It became apparent to her that it was her mission, and her very son gave her the words from God about what her mission needed to look like. So she did. She built the uh, mansion on the hill, and that is here, Lena Pope, and here we are now. We've evolved over time and and provide uh, similar services. Uh, We no longer provide residential services. Uh, However, we do intervene in um, family circumstances that require Uh, financial support and emotional support um, and academic support as well. 
Um, so it, it has been a, a journey, mm-hmm. uh, yet we've continued to evolve to meet the need of the community as things change and as our um, need continues to grow. How many children or families have you guys helped over these years? Because I know the numbers have got to be staggering. It is staggering, and every year we serve between four and 5,000 children wow. and family members. Yes, it it is um growing and growing every year. And um, I do think that that's a reflection of the stress that individuals are under in our current environment, in our community. And we certainly intend to serve as the backbone of our, of our um, county, as we have for nearly 100 years. I think it gives people comfort to know that we're here. Mm-hmm. I think they recognize Lena Pope as, as that safe place that will come to meet their need no matter what it is. And can you talk about how over the years it has been a place where people can also volunteer and how people have come to help the kids? Yes. You know, um, Lena Pope has always been a place that welcomes individuals who are willing to support families in need. Uh, we um, enlist individuals to help sometimes even upgrade our properties and help to um, plant um, plants so that the children have a uh, nature explorer experience as mm-hmm. part of their education. Um, we have individuals come and read to the children in our charter school, which is pre-K through eighth grade. And um, that's, a, that's a wonderful experience. And sometimes it's a dress-up experience. Right now, you know, there's such learning loss occurring across the nation that helping with tutoring is a, an enormous need. Um, providing supplies is also a, a need for our families. Uh, we recently have created uh, a family uh, assistance fund, and um, it is in the spirit of um Lena Pope, over the course of years, intervening in so many ways. Uh, There are times where we have to help with rental assistance, or especially in times like uh, the freeze, we provided food for individuals. Um, So, you know, um, helping with food drives and those sorts of things are always needed by the community, and we would love to enlist people from um, far and wide to help support the causes that we um, are involved with. You mentioned the great freeze that happened back in February. It affected so many different people and so many different organizations in different ways. Can you tell us a story about what happened that particular week with Lena Pope? Because I know it had to be somewhat scary, especially when you were working with so many vulnerable people. Yes, you know, I I think that as most people experience having the ruling power outages and having um, freezing conditions in your own home, uh, we actually received a picture from one of our clients um, that had she had turned on the water to create a drip so there wouldn't be um, broken pipes, and the water from the faucet actually froze as it was going into her sink. Wow. Um, So in people's homes, it was very cold. Um, In particular, we had one client that I can recall off the top of my head that was dramatically impacted. Um, Her name was Claire, and she's a 39-year-old mother of a 15-year-old daughter. And Claire had um, a very, very difficult history in which um, um, she was exposed to a lot of trauma, Mm -hmm. neglect, and abuse by her parents. Um, During her upbringing, she'd been hospitalized multiple times, and she told um, recollections of being in a padded room and in a straitjacket and being held down to control her outbursts. Uh, on occasion, she would run away just to get away from the, the family abuse that was occurring. Um, and on one occasion, when she ran away, she was gang raped. And so her her circumstances continued to compound her level of trauma and ability to cope. Uh, as an adult, she, she moved out and she got an apartment and had her, her daughter. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, she was independent, yet she realized that she was 
you know, riddled with experiences of, of PTSD and nightmares and anxiety and depression. And um, during the freeze, it brought back all of those times where she did not have the things that she needed, that she was cold in a hospital, that she didn't have the food, that she just felt unsafe. So it triggered so many things for her. Of course, her electricity went out during the freeze, and she lost all of her food. Uh, And that happened to be one of the things that was a form of abuse food was withheld from her. And oh, so no. as as she, you know, dealt with the depression um, and dealt with her anxiety as the freeze really unfolded over several days, uh, we had a, a crisis hotline and she was able to reach out to us and let us know of her emotional and uh, primary need crisis. And we were able to jump right in we provided phone counseling initially uh, and then immediately got her some food for her refrigerator. Um, and she continued on in counseling. And her daughter also began to participate in counseling. And uh, they have now been able to stay in their apartment, create that safe environment with their basic needs met. Um, they continue with counseling on a weekly basis. They, um, when available, participate in group therapy that allows them to understand that they're not alone in their struggles and that there are people that are here to help them. And for the first time, I think that she is feeling embraced by a safe place, a safe community. She feels strong and hopeful and, um, You know, I I think that partnering together with individuals from our community who were so profoundly impacted and had concerns that they were already dealing with, uh, it just was compounded by the freeze. Um, But it did open people to receiving counseling that may not have otherwise known that we were here for them. Mm -hmm. And having that crisis hotline just opened the door to Claire herself. Did did the uh, Lena Pope organization have any situations where you had pow- no power or you had people who could not make it to work to help? Could you talk about the circumstances that you guys had to go through to to help people like her? Yes. You know, we had several of our facilities uh, have burst pipes. And uh, we had, um, of course, the power outages. Uh, it was quite an amazing feat to watch our staff members pull together. Of course, all of the individuals are, they reside here in Tarrant County, and so they had their own crisis with no electricity and um, cold circumstances themselves. But we were able to pull together staff that could make themselves available for the crisis hotline. It was so amazing to watch these people who are so dedicated to helping others pull together in their own time of need and focus on those that had a greater um, need and that were in more crisis and to rise to the occasion um, despite being in their own home and not being able to come into the flooded office. We, we plowed through all of that to stay strong for our community. It's the human spirit. It's just what it is. I mean, people come together in times of need, and that was an outstanding time of need back in February where everybody in Texas was going through the power outages. We're talking with Dr. Ashley Elgin. She's the CEO of Lena Pope. And how? What could you tell us what the process is? Let's say, you know, someone's listening to this interview on the radio, and they think they have a child of need or a child that um, they might be able to turn to you to help. What would be the process step-by-step? Well, you know, as soon as they identify the need, they're welcome to call us. Mm -hmm. And we can help to identify which program might be most appropriate for them. Our our phone number is on the Internet, and, of course, I can give it to you right now. It's 817-255-2500. And they can go on to our website, which is um, lenapope.org, and they can identify all the different services that we provide. Counseling is only one of those services. Individual 
and family therapy and group therapy, but we also have juvenile justice services for those kids who have interfaced with law enforcement, Mm -hmm. and we're able to create a second opportunity for success for those kids and work with law enforcement to help uh, create um, um, a clearing of their records so that they can start off on a clear footing. Uh, We have an early learning center in two locations, and that is high-quality, low-cost child care um, that really is nationally accredited, which is um, a rarity here in the area. And we do provide um, services to those who uh, cannot afford child care at other places. And then, of course, we have our charter school, Chapel Hill Academy, that is a public enrollment charter school, pre-K through 8th grade. And uh, that school is, uh, right now, we just started last Thursday, mm-hmm. and students came with uh, masks on voluntarily, and uh, we've been able to create a really safe environment where academics is the priority, social and emotional well-being are at the forefront of what we're doing because many of these kids haven't been in school for a year and a half. And some of the youngsters in pre-K or even first grade have never had an in-school experience. Right. So we're really uh, doing what we can to help to introduce them to um, what it means to be in school and to be socially active with your peer group and to be supported and yet have a safe and clean environment uh, where um, they can interface uh, yet in a, in a safe way given the surge of the pandemic right now. Um, but families have been very supportive of creating that environment, and we love to have them involved in our process as well. And so we are lucky to have uh, a great PTA that participates and uh, helps us to roll out our academics and in a way that I have really not seen it anywhere else. When I walk through the school, the kids are so happy, and it's just just like Lena Pope wanted. It is a place where uh, growth is happening, children are safe, and learning despite everything that's going on in our community. I'm glad you brought that up because this is the new normal now. I mean, and this is the time of the year where kids are returning back to school. Can you talk about uh, some of the things you learned during the past year during the pandemic as far as maybe having some of the virtual learning classes or, or things you've had to learn to help the teachers and the, and the students connect when they couldn't possibly be face-to-face? Sure. We did a number of things to make sure that our services were top-notch. Um, we were able to uh, partner with uh, Texas Education um, Authority to help us to get some guidelines in place to help us with the virtual learning and the on-campus learning. Our technology was something that really had to be upgraded to make sure that every single student had access to um, Internet and to a computer. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to make those purchases both last year and this year. And um, I, I think all of those things have brought our community to... Uh, a technology-savvy place that we were sort of headed to anyway. Mm -hmm. Kind of wrapped it it up, yeah. It did. It expedited that process. Um, And it allowed us to really evaluate some of the practices that are in place regarding testing and regarding performance of students and the importance of developmental milestones as they apply to social interaction and different age groups. I think it taught us quite a bit about how profound isolation can be. Yes. And we found ways of reaching out to our families so that we could bridge that gap. Uh, I think at the onstart of the COVID pandemic, you know, everybody thought that it was just going to be temporary. And then as it became longer and longer and longer, we recognized that this would take a toll on people, uh, not just academically, but emotionally. And sure enough, it has done that. Uh, So we created within two weeks of COVID developing uh, platforms for um, virtual counseling as well, so that we could 
stay in touch with our families Mm -hmm. and uh, develop new ways of communicating with them so that we were active in in getting through to their core needs. Uh, One of the things that we noticed early on is that even though children were starting to log on um, virtually, sometimes they would turn their cameras off. And uh, so it broke that level of engagement that right. is necessary. That's, that's um, the thing I was always amazed with, with educators and teachers, how they were able to keep the, key, keep the kids in, engaged if they would turn their cameras off. Mm-hmm. We, pr- we provided incentives uh, to the kids that um, would help them want to engage. And in fact, our teachers really rose to the occasion. It was amazing to watch some of them. I watched a puppet show. Oh, Um, wow. Yes, they were very, very creative uh, in the use of technology and getting kids to to engage with one another and have different roles of responsibility and and things that were exciting to them. You know, they would uh, play academic games that would teach the same lesson but would require people to be responsive and engaged and to laugh with one another and connect and uh, had opportunities to connect outside of class if they needed uh, help because that happens naturally when you're in a classroom setting. But when you aren't, uh, you know, that tends to fall by the wayside. And so we had to be very aggressive in pursuing uh, students that we thought were struggling. You, and we still, still have set that up mm-hmm. for, for this year, even though we're 100% in person. Mm-hmm. That is outstanding. And, you know, Dr. Elgin, you're so good and you're so capable and, and so involved with Lena Pope. I have to ask you, how did you first become involved with Lena Pope? When did you start your association with them? Because I think it's a match made in heaven. I think it's a match made in heaven, too. I'm so <laughs> very, very happy here. Um, I actually have been in this industry for a little over 30 years. Wow. And you sound yes. so young. <laughs> well, thank you. I like to hear that. Um, I'm originally from New Orleans, and uh, if there is a place in the world that helps you to recognize um, need, uh, there is quite a bit of poverty in sure. New Orleans, and it is um, also demonstrated in a, a disorganized academic environment. And so growing up in that environment, it just became my core um, focus. And um, I continue to really love being involved in this issue. I moved to Texas 25 years ago um, to go to UNT to pursue my PhD. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I did, coincidentally, uh, Lena Pope was right off of Hewlin, and I would drive past Lena Pope and thought, wow, that is the best place in the world. They're doing such amazing work. Yeah. One day I really, really want to work there. I think it's just so amazing. They they help in so many ways. And at the time I was focused um, in the clinical realm as a, a clinical interventionist uh, specific to child abuse. And uh, I knew that Lena Pope did that work so beautifully, and Ted Blevins was the CEO at the time, and I knew of him and was so impressed with his love for the community and for children and the way that he approached both the business aspect as well as the community aspect and mission. He was my role model, and here I am. Now, as the CEO of Lena Pope, I I never dreamed that when I said I one day want to work there, mm-hmm. that it would be in this capacity. Um, but it is a dream come true for me, and um, I'm excited about the things that we are going to accomplish over the the next decade. You know, it's so impressive. Again, you it's like a match made in heaven because you are passionate about what you do. They are so fortunate to have you, and of course. Lena Pope is such a wonderful organization. You mentioned of the projects you have planned upcoming over the next decade or so. What are some of the things we have to look forward to this fall? Here's your chance to let everybody know what you guys have going on besides the return to school. Well, you know, we do. Uh, we are planning a celebration for our chapel. I don't know that many people are aware that we have a chapel here on campus, 
and it is absolutely beautiful. Um, it uh, has some architectural elements that are unlike anything I've ever really? ever seen. Um, Frank, Frank Lloyd Wright actually was the mentor to the person who created the plans for this Very nice. uh, chapel. Yes, and it was a gift to one of our board members, Marty Leonard. And we are coming upon um, a 30-year celebration. And so... Uh, in November, we'll have an opportunity for people to sign up for dinner under the trees and um, those sorts of things. We're really excited about that. And the chapel serves um, the community as well. So individuals have unbelievably beautiful weddings there. Mm. There's a huge window that overlooks as the sun sets uh, right behind the altar. It's so pretty for a wedding. Um, they also have services for a variety of different um, um, denominations, and of course, we do provide the availability for for um, funeral services there as well. So this, the uh, chapel serves an, an amazing part of the community. Um, but beyond that, we will be beginning our strategic plan, which will guide us for the next three years. And we're in the process of looking at uh, the global need of our community uh, as it kind of comes out of and continues to deal with impact from COVID and an economic downturn. So our focus right now is really broadening the scope of our clinical um, abilities. There has become a waiting list, which is something that uh, we want to make sure that doesn't persist. Uh, so we will be expanding those services to meet the increased demand. Um, we believe that after kids start showing um, what they've experienced over the time of isolation during COVID over the past year, uh, I, I think that we'll begin to see um, behavioral uh, difficulties pop up uh, and more issues related with juvenile justice uh, interfacing. And so we're prepared to, to manage those concerns as well. Uh, I think that it's going to be uh, an interesting year to see how child care develops. Uh, it has changed dramatically. Uh, now child care workers are considered frontline Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, frontline workers. Frontline work, yeah. and, and I think as, as child care centers began to close, you could see that it was part of the necessary infrastructure of our community. So um, we're part of um, best places uh, for working parents in uh, Tarrant County, and we'll continue to be part of that and to look towards how best can we uh, increase our um, attention to what children need in the child care setting and make sure that we're high quality. And I, I'm wondering if businesses are going to start having those services on campus. And we'd love to partner with corporations as they begin to develop those thoughts. Yeah. I think that that's going to be more and more of what we're seeing in the future. Well, Dr. Elgin, we appreciate you joining us this morning. And before we let you get out of here, once again, can you tell anyone who would like to partner with Lena Pope or is interested as a volunteer or even, like I said, interested in, in having a relationship with you guys, with their children and their families? Can you give us a, a website and that phone number again? Sure. Uh, it's www.lenapope.org for our website and our phone number uh, as I mentioned before, is 817-255-2500. And you can call with any need or any interest, and we'll direct you to the right place. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Ashley Elgin with Lena Pope. And we're so proud to have a partnership with you uh, during this entire month, the 24th anniversary this month of DFW Restaurant Week, presented by your Metroplex Cadillacs dealers. And 20% of the cost of each meal donated to the North Texas Food Bank in the greater Dallas area or Lena Pope in the Tarrant area. Thanks again, Dr. Elgin. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And joining us right now is the CEO of the North Texas Food Bank, Ms. Tricia Cunningham. How are you doing, Tricia? 
I'm doing great. Great to be here. I'm so glad you're here with us because this is the 24th anniversary this month of the DFW Restaurant Week presented by your North North Metroplex Cadillac dealers. We're so glad to be able to help the North Texas Food Bank and Lena Pope just by doing this this one small thing. But I understand it's it's one of your biggest fundraisers. Yes, uh, DFW Restaurant Week is always one of our favorite times of the year. It's a time when everyone in the community can go out and they can sort of eat and feel good about it. And uh, this year in particular, I think, is just really important for us. It is one of our, our largest fundraisers. We've seen unprecedented needs in our community, so the needs that we're filling right now are just incredible. And I think being back in the restaurants is uh, just a wonderful time to recognize, you know, our restaurants went through such a hard time last year. And then being able to help more people get into the restaurants this year and being able to support those restaurants again is just a fantastic uh, thing for us as well. So I'm going to break this down for our listeners here. The campaign is in full swing. Many restaurants extending participation for a full month of dining all the way through September the 5th. And again, this is the 24th annual DFW Restaurant Week. It's going on all of this month. Um, what it boils down to is this. Every prefix meal for, di- for, di- for deer, <clears throat> excuse me, for every prefix meal, it supports a local charity and restaurant business, especially important this year as recovered from the pandemic. 20% of the cost of each meal is donated to the North Texas Food Bank in the greater Dallas area or Lena Pope in the Tarrant County area. Over the years, the campaign has donated over $10 million to charity. And it's so simple. You get a three-course meal for dinner for either $39 or $49, a two-course lunch for either $19. So it's a, a great win-win for everybody involved. Right, Tricia? Absolutely. And I think the the great thing about this is that 20% of the cost of that meal from that restaurant week menu, you have to get the restaurant week menu, the 20% cost of that meal will come back to us. And so if you get the $49 meal, then, you know, you think about that, that's almost $10. And you think about the fact that the North Texas Food Bank, for every dollar contributed to us, we can provide three meals. That one meal that a person buys can provide almost 30 meals for people in our community. And it's very simple. I mean, whether you're going to get your favorite restaurants you used to go to or you're going to try someplace new, you can check it out at dfwrestaurantweek.com to make sure they're an official participant of the DFW Restaurant Week. And you can make your reservations online at Open Table, call the restaurant directly, but make sure you mention DFW Restaurant Week when you make your reservation and then everybody wins. Am I right? That is absolutely correct. You know, I always love this time of year. I love to go out and try different restaurants Mm -hmm. and new things. And I always talk to the managers. And number one, they're grateful because August is usually a slower time for restaurants when people are typically taking vacations and and going into school time. People just aren't thinking about going out to eat. So number one, it drives business into the restaurants. Number two, they love the fact that they are supporting the community. They know that not everyone in their community has meals on their table that evening. And just to know that they can help support that through their restaurant and through uh, customers coming in mm-hmm. and who are very passionate about that as well, too. It's a great feel-good for everyone involved. And hopefully, you know, someone will go and try a new restaurant, and then they'll go back throughout the year and be able to bring their friends and remember, you know, the the good kindness that that restaurant had and go back and continue to support them throughout the year as well. So for those who like to use a pencil and paper or have their calculator ready, if you're approximating 20%, that's a $39 dinner, $8 goes to charity. A $49 dinner, Dinner, $10 go to charity. $19 lunch, $4 goes to charity. And like I said, the North Texas Food Bank is a wonderful organization. Can you talk about some of the things that you guys have been doing just through this past calendar year? Because I know it's like a new normal now. It has been incredible. Uh, We have served more meals than we ever thought we would would. Do we, we had a goal to get to 92 million meals by 2025. And to put that in perspective, this past year, we provided access to almost 126 million meals oh my. because the needs in our community were tremendous. 
but we couldn't have done it without community support. And what we found also is that our community doesn't want people in their neighborhood to go hungry. They don't want people in North Texas to go hungry. They saw the needs and they helped answer those needs to make sure that that everyone had meals on their tables. And that's what we know that we need going forward as well. I think we have learned during this past year that as long as we have the resources to be able to serve, we can make sure that no one in North Texas goes hungry. And as people are getting back on their feet and they're getting their jobs, you know, we're going to be there to continue to be able to support our community and, and help people go forward. I mean, the thing that we would love the most is to see that meal number go down because if that meal number goes down because there's not as much need, right. that's great. But what we want is to make sure that we can continue to fill all those needs that are in our community. The other thing that we've done during this past year is we've thought about the fact that, you know, we, we have access to food. That is our, our core competency. I call us a nonprofit food logistics organization. We gather in food from food retailers, donators that, that donate food. We purchase food. Mm-hmm. We have government food. Uh, you know, before the pandemic, we were purchasing about $5 million of food per year. Last year, we purchased about $30 million. So our needs to be able to serve have gone up tremendously. But as long as we have access to the food through those government support and, you know, donations, those large-scale donations, those individuals that want to be able to help us, and, and we have the resources to purchase food, we have the ability to be able to serve our community. And th- this is the community's food bank, and that's what we want to do is we want to be able to equitably serve. But on top of that, that's sort of our food for today. We think we can work with new partners and provide new services that help individuals sort of get beyond the reason why they're hungry. Mm-hmm. Food is just, you know, need of food is just a symptom of another issue. And so whether it's uh, underemployment or lack of employment or lack of education or maybe they have a health issue or concern, those are the kinds of partners that are already in our community. We don't want to duplicate services, but we can come alongside them with food that can help their clients try to be able to get to a sustainable state so that they can get to a point where they don't need food assistance. And so that's sort of our next thing that we're looking at, and we're calling that sort of the hope for tomorrow. We're we're really trying to work, our, our strategic plan is called Nourish North Texas, and so we're trying to work to make sure that we're not only able to provide the food that's needed today, but also help individuals get beyond whatever their circumstances are. I like that big picture thinking. When did some of you started realizing this or saying, you know what, was it because you had a little bit of downtime during the pandemic that people were able to think outside of the box? Because this is next level. There was no downtime in the pandemic. I will tell you there we worked harder than we've ever worked in our, our lives just to try to make sure we were getting food out the door. But as a, you know, $200 million nonprofit and a primary source of food for our 13 counties, we felt like we had a responsibility to think bigger. Mm-hmm. And we thought, how can we do this effectively? We didn't, we didn't want to recreate the, the wheel because there's so many other nonprofits that are doing great work out there. And even our own 220, 30 so partners that have food pantries, they have innovative services. So it's like, okay, so how can we take that model of what they're doing and help replicate that in some of our other partners so that they can better serve their community. But then how can we take some of those non-traditional partners that are doing great work and help add access to healthy food that can help them? And so that's what we're looking at right now as we're going forward with our strategic plan. Before, we weren't really able to concentrate on that because there was still a meal gap in our community that we felt like we needed to focus on to fill that meal gap first. But now that we know that if we have access to the resources, we can fill fill that meal gap, and we can also try to work with these other partners who are providing these services. So that way, hopefully, the the long term outcomes in our community will be much better. We're talking with Miss Trisha Cunningham. She's the CEO of the North Texas Food Bank, and I love the way you're talking. And I love the way you think, and especially, like I said, as we're going through this pandemic. And a year ago, when the pandemic first reared up. I think there were a lot of families or individuals that sort of fell through the cracks. It was like, okay, they got downsized or their job situation changed or they didn't realize that they would not have access to food. Can you talk about some of those situations you encountered with people who might have been embarrassed to need food? Well, 
Yes, there are people that didn't know what to do. Uh, During the pandemic across the country, it's estimated that 40% of the people that needed food, charitable food assistance, had never needed it before. And so our community is extremely fragile. And we had people that were able to make it from week to week and had never needed assistance before. And they were embarrassed to have to go get it. And so we tried to make it as easy as possible for those people who needed access to food to be able to get it, and, you know, there is no stigma attached to being able to go and and get help for your family. Because, number one, I I just think that's the responsible thing to do. If we can help make sure that you have access to food and you can take what resources you have to continue to pay your rent or to be able to help your student with what the online learning that they had Mm -hmm. last year and so many things, then we knew we could help sustain that family a little bit longer uh, to be able to to maintain their their situation as they were trying to find new work or new jobs. Now, what you're going to see, you know, last November it was just um, it was heartbreaking to see we we fed about 25,000 people in a four or five hour period at Fair Park, and I know everyone has those images in their mind of all these cars that were just lined up for miles just to get a $25 box of food. They don't do that unless they're hungry, and but we're wanting to try to for people to go and find their local community pantries now. Mm-hmm. Many of them are providing those services. So we're going back to more of the community model, which is what we had done before the pandemic, because those local partners that are part of our feeding network, they not only can provide access to the food, but they might be able to help them with some career counseling or maybe some education. Many of them also have uh, housing assistance programs or uh, other kinds of programs that can help that families holistic needs overall. So that's why we really try to work about 80% of the food that we distribute goes through our feeding partner network. We have all the mobile distributions and we do a lot of uh, programs that help kids have food over the weekend that work with the school districts. And we do those programs as well, but 80% of our food goes through those partners. And so if anyone that's listening right now still needs food assistance and they haven't made that connection, you can go to our website, ntfb.org, and there's there's going to be a, a place on there that says find food, and you can put in your, your zip code, and you can find a local pantry near you. You know, it, this is so amazing, the work that you do, and, and you talked about how tough it was to see so many people waiting in lines. So you're, you're looking about making it easier to distribute the food for people to have access to the food. If anyone was listening right now and they're like, wow, I'm vulnerable and I want to get the food. Is it their church? Is it their school? How would they find a pantry near them? Or how would they find the North Texas food bank uh, distribution centers? So on our website at ntfb.org, all of that is listed there. So we, we have our mobile distributions. We still do some of those mobile distributions on a weekly basis. They are typically in partnership with a community organization like a church or a, a community center or a school or a college in that area typically is where our mobile distributions happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they can go directly there still. We're still doing mobile distributions, but they're just not the, the large-scale ones that we had done before. But We'd love for people to connect with their local partner uh, food pantry in their community. And so you can find that as well, where it says ntfb.org. There's a place where you can go on the website to find food assistance. And you can, it's, you can just type in your zip code right there, and it will tell you the partners that are there locally in your community. Now, you mentioned the partners. What if there are people who wanted to help volunteer because they know how urgent it is for people not to be hungry? That is one of the the things that we need most right now. Uh, We had uh, been relying upon volunteers so much, and then they all went away whenever the needs were the greatest, and so we had to be pretty innovative in how we filled those needs. Mm -hmm. But we are back open for volunteers now. We do require masks indoors, and so people can go to our website at ntfb.org slash volunteer, and you can find, uh, you can come and volunteer in our distribution center. Tuesday through Saturday, we have two shifts. We also have options for people to distribute food at some of the mobile distributions that may be at more community-based locations. You can sign up for that online as well. So we, we want people to come back and to be able to give their time to be able to help us to be able to volunteer as well. So in addition to money supporting DFW Restaurant Week, you know, there's ways that you can use your time and then also even your voice. 
So being able to advocate for for government support for people who are food insecure, that's really an important way that we're able to, to have resources to be mm-hmm. able to to feed. So about 30% of the food that we distributed last year came through government sources. So 70% was through other sources, but 30% was through the government. And we have to just really thank our elected officials here in North Texas mm-hmm. for really standing behind this and try to making sure that we had access to the resources to to serve our community at a time when it needed it most. Can you give people an idea of some of the demographics of the people who need the food? Do some of the families, is it is it a lot of kids? Is it teenagers? Is it single parent homes? Is it elderly people? Can you can you give I want to paint some pictures of some faces because a lot of people sure. who are listening, you know, this is a, a really an important thing to them and they're just trying to wonder well, who are the homeless? Not the homeless necessarily, but the the hungry out there. Yeah, and I think, you know, you you bring up a really good point. I know you said homeless there, but a lot of people think that the people that we're serving are the homeless, and we do, and we serve those organizations, but it's only about 5% of who we serve. The majority of the people that we serve through the North Texas Food Bank prior to the pandemic, we don't have stats right now with the pandemic, but just prior to the pandemic, it was the working poor. There was at least one person in that family who was employed, but they were not able to make ends meet. And so you think about the fact we have about 800,000 people in North Texas. That's one in six people in North Texas in the 13 counties that we serve that don't know if they're going to have a nutritious meal on their table tonight. There are about 300,000 children who are food insecure households. And people think here in North Texas, there's so much affluence and there's so many things Mm -hmm. going on. People are just really surprised to understand that if you look at, there are 200 food banks that are part of the Feeding America network of food banks, and we're one of them. Our North Texas region has the sixth highest number of people who are food insecure in the country. Wow. And for children, we have the fifth highest region out of the 200 of of children who are food insecure of the country. And to me, that's just heartbreaking to see that we have that many needs in our community. Can the churches do anything else to help out? I'm only asking because this is a Bible belt uh, of America, and there's so many people involved with their churches are there opportunities for churches to be more active with the North Texas Food Bank? And the, 100%, you know, absolutely. If you look at the food pantries that are in our network, the majority of them are faith-based. Okay. Uh, I believe many of our, our you know, religious congregations, mm-hmm. it doesn't ma- matter what religion it is, they all feel like it is their responsibility to serve their neighbors. And there's no more basic need than food and making sure that people have access to nutritious food on their tables. And so we are so appreciative for our faith-based community and for their stand of being able to love their neighbors. That's what's on my wall in my office. It's my reminder every day when I come in that it's my job to love my neighbor. And that's all 800,000 neighbors that are in North Texas that don't have food on their tables. And that's my mission to keep going. And I believe that's people that are, are believers in whatever religion they are, they have a responsibility to be able to help their neighbor and to be able to, to, to get engaged. And, and we would love for more faith-based organizations to have an impact. We know that there's ways that they can do that. And if there are people that are out there, we actually have somebody on our staff it's dedicated to working with the faith-based organizations. So if there's someone out there that is not yet affiliated and not really connected with the North Texas Food Bank, have them go online and send a contact us email, and we will make sure that you're connected in, in ways that you can try to get your faith-based organization involved. Because, you know, it really does You know, it, it take a village mm-hmm. to be able to help serve the needs of our community. We can't do it all at the North Texas Food Bank. We don't have all the fingers out into the community, but those faith-based organizations are the ones that tend to have that trust with their community, and they can also help the people that are in their their communities make sure that the needs are met. We're talking with uh, Ms. Tricia Cunningham. She's the CEO of the North Texas Food Bank, outstanding organization. And, you know, over this pandemic, we're talking about the essential workers. We're talking about the healthcare workers and everybody doing their parts. And one of the things we've learned over the last few months is 
as we try to get back to normal or the new normal, the supply chain has been interrupted on a lot of industries. Have you had any issues like that? You mentioned how busy you were uh, over the last calendar year. Yes. uh, Early on, we did. We had a very difficult time. As people were going and flooding the grocery store, Mm -hmm. uh, they were depleted of so many of the basic staples that we also needed for our food pantries. And so, as you can expect, the cost of food has increased, and that has continued to do so. There's been a shortage of workers, I know, uh, like in the trucking industry in particular, which has driven up costs to be able to get food to where it needs to go. So not only had there been a lack of supply, which now we're seeing the supply issue mm-hmm. not be the issue, but the cost issue has gone up. Right. Uh, on average, if you look last year of what they were saying at the price of average price of a pound of food, it was in the dollar forty-ish range. This year, it's in the dollar seventy-ish range, and so that's what we're the value of a pound of food based upon uh, a Feeding America sort of value of the food. And so that's how much costs have gone up in just one year. And therefore, it is even more important that anybody who's stuck in the middle in a gig economy and is hungry, you should try to figure out how to get yourself fed through the next, the North Texas Food Bank and, and all of the different pantries that are around you, right? So, so can you remind everybody again how they can find these pantries or how they can find the North Texas Food Bank online or is there a phone number where they can reach out? Yes. Yeah, so the, the easiest way is just to go to our website, ntfb.org. And at that website, you can find a local food pantry if you're needing food assistance. You can find a mobile distribution. Our schedule is on there for mobile distributions that go out into the communities. So if you want to go to one of those distributions. But if you're not in food need, that's also where you can donate. You can donate online there because every dollar given to the North Texas Food Bank can provide three meals in our community because of the way that we can source our food and the donated food that we get. We can get that out very effectively that way. And 95% of every dollar of resource that we're provided goes directly to feeding programs. So, you know, we try to be as efficient as possible. We want every dollar to impact our community. So you can you can give there, you can donate there, you can also learn more about our advocacy efforts there as well. And and again, those who are in need, please know that you will be treated with dignity and respect because everyone needs a little help sometimes. And we want to be that help for you. And our, our two, we have about 200 or more partners that are in the 13 counties that we serve that are ready to be able to help you as well. Trisha, you're just outstanding. I, I got to ask you this. How long have you been a part of the North Texas Food Bank? Because you are a great spokesperson, let alone CEO. I know your, your plate is full with all the different projects, so to speak. Well, Chris, I have to tell you, I have a uh, a long history in uh, communications uh, whenever I was at Texas Instruments. I had 30 years at Texas Instruments. You know, and I believe all of the experiences I had there, my last role was chief citizenship officer, but I served in marketing and communications and public affairs roles for TI for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I was very blessed to get a lot of training and development Work, But, you know, all of that has come into play for me to be able to apply it in the role that I am in right now. I believe that was just my training ground for being able to do what I'm doing here because what I've been able to do here is meet so many people who are passionate about helping our community. And that's what fuels me in my work. None of us wants to see anyone go hungry. And I, I think we feel a responsibility to be able to give back. Most of the people here that are that are reporting to me also came from other areas of of service that mm-hmm. have been more in the for-profit area. But the people that are at the North Texas Food Bank are here because we want to serve. It is our mission. It is our passion to make sure that no one goes hungry. And we are inspired by the support of those in the community that help us enable us to do this work. Well, let me tell you something. Someone told me a long time ago, the journey is the reward. And Mm -hmm. I think you're being rewarded spiritually, emotionally, physically, and and you're definitely giving back. And you're a jewel to this community. I cannot thank you enough for joining us today, Tricia. Well, thank you. I always love to be able to share more information about 
the fact that we do have hungry people in our community and that we are grateful for the support of the community, and there are so many ways it can help. So please go out and dine at DFW Restaurant Week. Yes. Uh, that is one way that they can help because that's one of our great uh, fundraisers, and I, I think people can eat and for good, and it helps our restaurant industry as well to have people coming in. And then also check out our website, ntfb.org. If you need food, you can find how to get it there. And if you want to help us to be able to feed those who need food, you can find out ways to do that there as well, too. Once again, this entire month is the 24th anniversary of DFW Restaurant Week. It's extended all the way through September the 5th. 20% of the cost of each meal is donated to the North Texas Food Bank in the greater Dallas area or the Lena Pope's, uh, for Lena Pope in the Tarrant County area. Again, if you want to know more about the DFW Restaurant Week, go to dfwrestaurantweek.com. You can make your reservation online at Open Table or call the restaurant directly and check out your favorite restaurant to eat and drink and bring your friends or go to check out someplace new while you can. We can't thank you enough. Again, Tricia, you've been outstanding. We've also had Dr. Ashley Elgin, the CEO of Lena Pope. I'm Chris Arnold. Be sure to tune in next week as we highlight other organizations and events happening right here in DFW. So long, everybody. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.